So today we have the absolute pleasure of hosting Habil Iqbal for a very important conversation on mass human rights abuses in Indian administered Kashmir. But um, unlike previous seminars, this one will be moderated by OTJR's very own member, Samir Rashid Bhatt. Samir is currently a DPhil candidate in public policy at the Blavatnik School of Government, University of Oxford. He is himself working on um, India's counterinsurgency policy and operations in Kashmir. So we couldn't have had a better moderator. That's all from me. Samir, the floor is yours. Thank you, Gayatri. Uh, thank you, Swati. Uh, and so India, India, the part that India administers of the territory of Jammu and Kashmir is under uh, some draconian domestic legislations, for example, for example, Armed Forces Special Powers Act or the Public Safety Act of 1978, which have created a state of permanent emergency and therefore resulted in a systematic violation of the rights of individuals as well as the community there. To discuss how these laws create this state of permanent emergency and how these the rights of individuals are violated uh, with impunity, we have today with us Habib Iqbal, who is a lawyer from Kashmir working on human rights issues. And he's a legal consultant with the Association of Parents of Disappeared Persons, an organization working against enforced disappearances in Kashmir. So we will have Habib talk to us for about 40 minutes, following which we will have a moderated uh, discussion with him. Over to you, Habib. Uh, thank you. Thank you, OTJR, uh, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, yes, as uh, Samir uh, said, Kashmir is one of the oldest uh, disputes addressed by the United Nations. Uh, it uh, goes back to 1947, when the Indian subcontinent was uh, partitioned and uh, Kashmir continues to be uh, the unfinished agenda of the partition. But I'm uh, mainly going to be concerned about the period since 1989, when armed insurgency uh, broke in Kashmir. Since then, uh, Kashmir has been under heavy military control with over 700,000 Indian troops placed in public and private spaces. India has been governing and managing to control Kashmir through a series of uh, dreadful laws, uh, which are in violation of international standards and uh, also against the principles of human dignity. Uh, uh, the lines between the legal and the illegal have been uh, blurred here. Uh, I'm going to use uh, the state of exception as an explanatory uh, tool to make to try to make uh, you people understand how Kashmir continues to be in a state of permanent uh, emergency. Uh, though uh, de jure we don't have an emergency here, but de facto uh, since we have these dreadful laws uh, here and we have a huge military presence, so de facto, it is a permanent state of emergency, which is continuing here from at least uh, the last three uh, decades. So what is a state of exception? Uh, there is a political uh, thinker uh, who says, and I quote, uh, that political point at which jurisdiction stops and sovereign unaccountability begins. It's where the dam of individual liberties breaks and a society 
is flooded with the sovereign power of the state. So it's something uh, wherein, uh, as uh, has been said, the dam of the individual liberties breaks and the society is flooded with the sovereign powers of the state and uh, the rule of law takes a back seat. But though, and it's all being done in a society purportedly for the benefit of the society at large. In Jeff Huseman's words, when a state of exception is there in a society, the norm does not define the exception, but the exception defines the norm. So uh, looking from, a, from the prism of Kashmir, everything uh, from imposing governments to rigging elections, from tightening state surveillance and harsh security laws, to growing military presence, everything is justified in Kashmir in the name of national security, in the name of public order. So these are the terms which are used by the Indian government to justify its illegal, immoral, and uh, I would also go to the extent of saying unnatural uh, activities. So we have various types of uh, human rights abuses that have been happening uh, over the last, particularly over the last three decades in Kashmir. Uh, I'll begin with the civilian killings and the excessive use of force by the security, uh, by the security personnel. So there have been a series of massacres which have been perpetrated by the Indian forces, uh, by, the, by the Central Reserve Police Forces, by the Border Security Forces, or, or by the Indian Army as well. So back to 1990, we have had uh, one of the earliest massacres that was Gaukadal massacre, in which the Central Reserve Police Forces killed 52 civilians in Srinagar. And then we also have Handwara massacre of 1990, in which the border security uh, forces killed 21 unarmed uh, civilians. We have the Sopor massacre on January 6, 1993, in which the 94th Battalion of the border security uh, forces killed around 43 people. Uh, similarly, we have Bijbihara massacre, Chetty Singhpura massacre. So all these massacres happen uh, because law gives impunity to the forces which are on the ground and uh, nobody has been uh, prosecuted for the crimes uh, the security uh, forces have committed and are committing in the uh, state of Jammu and Kashmir. And similarly, we have the 2010 uh, killings in which people were protesting and uh, unarmed protesters, around 120 unarmed protesters were shot dead by the security force forces. And we have seen excessive use of force by the security personnel in 2016 also, when uh, over 100 unarmed uh, protesters were again gunned down by the security personnel. So state-sponsored violations of civil liberties and fundamental democratic rights of citizens have been institutionalized in Jammu and Kashmir. And yes, there have been uh, many inquiries also. Uh, there have been scores of inquiries, but all of them have been inclusive. And if there have been some uh, inquiries in which uh, uh, the inquiry officers have indicted the security personnel. We have such an inquiry also uh, that was uh, in 2014 uh, when uh, Zubin Mehta, if I'm not wrong, 2014 was the year when Zubin Mehta came to Kashmir and uh, 
uh, three civilians were killed in my own town. And then there was a commission of inquiry and the commission of inquiry went to the extent of saying that the Central Reserve Police Forces uh, fired as if they were in war. But since uh, one of the civilians killed, uh, he, so he, he was my relative and I know his father very well. And till date, he has not got the copy of that commission of inquiry. When he goes to the department and he asks for the report of the commission of inquiry, all he uh, gets is uh, the answer that we don't have the copy. We have lost the copy. So uh, similarly, there have been uh, other massacres. Also, uh, we have one uh, Zakura massacre that's also in Srinagar back to 1991 when people were trying to actually deliver a memorandum to UN observers, which is located uh, in Srinagar. And 47 people were killed on that day. And similarly, we have the Suran Court massacre of 1998. All these, you can find the details about all these massacres by just a simple uh, Google search. So uh, the situation regarding the use of force in Kashmir is made worse what in effect, though not in law, constitutes emergency provisions. And uh, as Samir also talked about these dreadful legislations, so one of the most uh, dreadful legislations which gives complete immunity to the security personnel in Kashmir is the Armed Forces Special Powers Act. And in brief, I'll call it as AFSPA, AFSPA. So in this regard, uh, AFSPA was enacted in 1990 in Kashmir. It regulates instances of special powers by armed forces in the so-called disturbed areas of the country, that's India. So what this act does is it provides uh, wide ranging powers to the Indian armed forces in respect of using lethal force in various instances. And it fails to provide safeguards in case of excessive use of such powers. So uh, the provisions uh, of this act, they clearly violate the international standards on the use of force, including lethal force and uh, the related principles of uh, proportionality and necessity. Uh, even the Supreme Court of India, which has, uh, which has to a large extent failed the people of Kashmir in, in addressing the human rights violations, but uh, on a very rare occasion, it has held that the declaration of this disturbed area under AFSPA it must be for a limited duration and, and there must be periodic uh, review of the declaration before the expiry of six months. However, uh, this procedure is not uh, followed uh, in practice and uh, we have seen how OPSPA continues to remain effective for prolonged periods uh, without any uh, review. Uh, till now, there have been several international uh, bodies which have been uh, calling for the repeal or for the reform of ASPA, uh, including uh, the former UN uh, Special Rapporteur on Extrajudicial Summary or uh, Arbitrary Executions. So uh, the powers which are granted under AFSPA, they are in reality broader than that allowable under a state of emergency, uh, as the right to life may effectively be suspended under the Act and the safeguards which are applicable in a state of emergency are absent here. So it's like uh, much more uh, worse than what it can be in a state of emergency, which is a declared one. Because here we have to understand, we don't have a declared uh, emergency here. 
it's all uh, what has been happening it's all has been happening uh, on the ground in reality that is uh, what i said a de facto emergency so moreover the widespread uh, deployment of the military what i told you that kashmir is one of the highest and most militarized zones of the world so uh, this creates an environment in which the exception becomes the rule and the use of lethal force is seen as the primary response to conflict so uh, coming to the specific uh, sections of this uh, legislation the section 7 of the afspa is the most debated one as it uh, prohibits the security uh, forces unless it prohibits the prosecution of security forces unless the government of india grants a prior permission or sanction to prosecute so this is uh, one section one particular section which gives blanket immunity to the security uh, personnel to get away with anything what they have been doing in kashmir so in nearly three decades uh, that the law has been in force in jammu and kashmir there has not been a single prosecution of armed forces personnel granted by the central government and uh, central government and uh, different uh, government agencies they have always uh, shielded uh, the security personnel who are involved in in crimes like mass rapes so we have uh, an instance that goes back to 1991 in which uh, we witnessed uh, mass rapes in twin villages of kunan and poshpora Uh, so uh, the army personnel went into these uh, two villages and they resorted to mass rapes several women were raped uh, in one night and the the case was hampered at each and every point by different uh, government agencies the case is still going on in the supreme court of india the high court of jnk uh, it sanctioned some compensation against which uh, the government and the army they are fighting it out in the supreme court and uh, similarly we have one more case that is uh, patribal stage encounter case of 2000 in which uh, three civilians uh, were killed by the army and they said that these were foreign uh, militants but when hue and cry uh, was raised by the uh, families of these uh, victims then a dna analysis was carried out and it was found out that these three uh, civilians they were not any uh, foreign uh, militants or terrorists as they called them but these were three unarmed uh, civilians local civilians and ultimately the premier investigating agency at that point of time that is the central bureau investigation a federal agency was called into uh, investigate into the matter and what the central investigating agency said it said that it was a cold blooded murder of three civilians and it filed a charge sheet against the army in the cbi court in srinagar but uh, the army uh, refused to uh, put them uh, put its personnel on trial in a civilian court it went to the supreme court the supreme court said army has an option it can choose between an arm between a court martial or a regular civilian trial and ultimately uh, what happened in that uh, court martial is that the uh, army personnel were given a clean chit and similarly uh, happened in muchil fake encounter 
and last year uh, that is 2020 we had a, we had a similar uh, fake encounter staged encounter in my own town shopian where in uh, three civilians were killed by a major of indian army uh, for cash rewards uh, for promotions and uh, then ultimately a uh, special investigating team said that yes uh, the army major has been involved in these killings but again this act that is the afspa gives uh, the army the option to choose the indian army act uh, also gives them this power that they can choose between a civilian trial and a court martial proceedings so what something significant uh, is to be noted among about this uh, court martial is that the proceedings in a court martial are very opaque we don't know uh, they say an army personnel is under closed arrest we don't know what's a closed arrest we don't know how the trial goes and we have seen how uh, how these military tribunals have failed in giving justice in any of the cases of these uh, human rights violations uh, yes so now i'll be coming to arbitrary detentions uh, authorities in indian administered uh, kashmir they continue to use uh, various forms of arbitrary detention to target protesters political dissidents and other civil society actors uh, a number of laws in jammu and kashmir uh, provide the legal basis for arbitrary detention uh, but the one that's most used uh, frequently to stifle protests and political dissident uh, political dissent is the jammu and kashmir public safety act 1978 so uh, the state authorities have defied orders time and again which have been uh, passed by uh, the authorities uh, the high court keeps quashing these detention orders and uh, what we see on ground is that we have a phenomena called as uh, revolving door detention wherein the high court quashes the administrative detention orders of the detainees but the government uh, slaps new public safety acts books them under new books them almost under the same charges so uh, so we can safely say that even the judiciary has failed to check the arbitrariness of the government the high handedness of the government so it's this practice uh, this practice has been used to keep people arbitrarily in detention for several weeks months and in some cases years together uh, and even the S supreme court of india has uh, described the system of administrative detention including the public safety act as a lawless law uh, so this act basically uh, gives the local administration sweeping powers of preventive detention in the interest of what they say national security or the maintenance of public order and what constitutes national security what constitutes public order they are very vaguely defined and you can be booked people are being booked uh, for at least years without being uh, given even the grounds of detention and then no they don't get to face the trial up to uh, those years so uh, in july 2018 uh, this uh, public safety act this was amended and uh, now they removed the prohibition on detaining the permanent residents of jammu and kashmir outside the state 
you have to understand when a detainee is kept in a jail which is hundreds of miles away from his home he is being denied of the chances of a fair trial because he doesn't get to see his lawyer he doesn't get to meet his family he doesn't get to uh, brief his lawyer so actually you are denying the uh, fair treatment rules of fair trial uh, even the un uh, bodies and special procedures have called on india to amend the psa to ensure its compliance with the human rights uh, obligations uh, the human rights committee has noted that psa contravenes the rights enshrined in the international covenant on civil and political rights especially the rights to uh, liberty and to a free and fair trial uh, recently that's uh, post august 5 2009 to 19 sorry Uh, when the limited autonomy of uh, state of jammu and kashmir was abrogated uh, by india thereafter almost 600 around 600 uh, people belonging to different sections of the society from kashmir uh, be that activists lawyers trade leaders they were uh, booked under this uh, dread, dreadful law that's public safety act and one of them uh, was the president of the jnk high court bar association mr mia qayyum and the one of the important grounds of his detention was that you are a staunch advocate of secessionist ideology so they are on writing saying in writing they are saying that we are detaining you purely because of your political thinking purely because what you think we don't uh, we don't subscribe to that and hence we are uh, detaining you and even the high court did not come to his rescue the high court said that uh, this is not the proper forum to challenge uh, the habeas corpus and the habeas corpus petition was dismissed uh, but more recently there has been another uh, dreadful legislation which has been used to keep people out of circulation in uh, kashmir and that is unlawful activities prevention act this is uh, these days considered to be the uh, to be the premier uh, counterterrorism law which is uh, which is being operated in kashmir as well as outside kashmir also so this law under this law you can keep somebody under detention for 6 months and without having formal charges being made ag- against him the bail jurisprudence is turned upside down uh, under this act because ordinarily bail is the rule and jail is the exception but under this law jail is the rule and bail is the exception and we have seen some very bizarre cases being filed under this act and uh, one of the cases being uh, recently uh, that's almost 5 months back a cricket tournament a cricket match was organized by some uh, by some boys in uh, south kashmir and they were booked because under this act because uh, the authorities said that they are glamorizing uh, militancy uh, by these uh, by, by the cricket tournament because they had gone uh, to offer uh, religious prayers for one of the ex militants so yes uh, broadly these two laws and are used to uh, keep out of circulation this is this has been uh, said by the indian home minister himself that we use public safety act to keep some people out of circulation in in, in uh, kashmir sorry so 
next i will uh, like to come on the restrictions on of on the freedom of speech and expression as i told you earlier post august uh, 5 2019 uh, the situation in kashmir has gone from bad to worse 4g internet was banned here for a continuous period of 555 days and what we saw was uh, one of the longest internet shutdowns of the world uh the rights groups termed uh, the internet gag that was uh, placed here as a digital apartheid and we saw we were in a communication clampdown there were no uh, no no phones there were nothing and it was very difficult for people to communicate within themselves and with outside uh, out with the outside world so we have also this uh, recently we have seen how the media has been gagged here we have the media policy of 2020 which is which is very draconian and under which which has been designed to stifle any kind of dissent any kind of criticism uh, which uh, the media can make of the government we have seen how journalists have been intimidated uh, raided uh, pressurized and booked under anti terror and uh, dreadful legislations we have seen how civil society activists have been hounded and uh, last week seven uh, un special working groups uh, released the communication they had sent to the government of india regarding uh, the raids on human rights activists uh, khuram parvez parvez imroz and uh, the founder of apdp that is association of parents of disappeared persons miss uh, parvina anger so uh, foreign journalists have also been they they need a special uh, permission from the central government to enter kashmir and to report uh, from kashmir so the object behind all this is uh, to have a kind of silence which is an enforced silence uh, and uh, that's how india wants to keep uh, kashmir population under control and under uh, its domination so uh, we have also seen that there have been uh, there have been cases of torture and other forms of degrading and inhuman treatment uh, meted out uh, to civilians but uh, but these allegations have never been uh, they have never been investigated or uh, these uh, these army personnel or crpf personnel they have never been uh, tried in a civilian uh, court and uh, recently uh, we have uh, a new scheme which has been launched by the home ministry of india under which uh, which has uh, called for applications from ordinary citizens they can uh, register themselves as cyber volunteers and uh, what's going to be the work of cyber volunteers is that they will monitor uh, their fellow citizens for uh, unlawful content and then they will flag it so uh, basically uh, what the authorities uh, want is that uh, the people of kashmir should go into a self surveillance mode into a self censorship mode wherein whatever they say they, they have to think before whatever they post on online whatever they post on any uh, form of social uh, media and uh, next uh, i'll be coming to enforce disappearances Uh, since 1990 we have seen uh, almost in the, the figure varies it's between 8000 to 10000 uh, civilians have been picked up by different government agencies and we have no whereabouts of these uh, civilians 
so they are subjected to enforced disappearance by the state and uh, these people have been going from pillar to post to know about uh, to know about the whereabouts of their loved ones but all uh, they get uh, from different institutions is like uh, a complete silence then uh, there's also uh, one more thing which needs to be added uh, with these uh, enforced disappearances is that there have been uh, mass graves have been uh, discovered around uh, 27 mass graves have been discovered by human rights groups but uh, again uh, the state human rights commission which was prevailing at that point of time it said that there needs to be an investigation there needs to be a dna analysis of these mass graves but uh, again nothing was done so uh, overall when we see that how the state has been uh, working here over the past 3 uh, decades is uh, by creating a state of emergency wherein uh, the people have been Uh, stripped of their rights be that legal rights be that uh, even the natural rights we have seen how the state comes up with uh, new uh, special procedures like for example recently they came up with an sop which says that uh, the dead bodies of the militants are not to be handed over to their relatives which is in contrast to international humanitarian law so uh, we have seen uh, we can say that law is used as an enabler of oppression in kashmir and uh, it's these laws which give immunity to the uh, people to these armed forces to uh, get away with anything